On this episode of the Conversation Coffee podcast, I talk to Neil, a proud dad and former cafe owner who now owns a successful studio in Melbourne. Join us as we talk about the process of buying and selling cafes and a few things involved in managing them too. I sincerely hope that you enjoy this episode and crack a smile along the way too. Enjoy the episode. Alrighty. Hello. Hello, sir. This is very interesting. Do we, um, are we sure that everything's working? I think so. I mean, okay. it'd be pretty embarrassing if it wasn't. Yeah, considering that you own your own studio. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. My yeah. wife bought this for me for um, Father's Day, so this is the first time I'm using it. It's a synchronized audio. Jacques and Neil, take one. Action! Really appreciate everyone that's been listening so far and appreciate you taking the time to answer some of these interesting questions that I have. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get straight into it. Um, how did you find yourself behind an espresso machine? Ooh, that's an easy answer. It was my wife. Um, I met her and she was opening up her first cafe in Albert Park and I was working full time um, for an IT company. Shock horror. <laughs> for those who don't know as well, Neil once served in the army. Correct. Yes. Yes. And eight years. somehow found himself, found himself in IT. Yes. And then owning a cafe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a journey. Yeah. No, look, I was, I had my weekends off and I was literally just, um, upstairs playing PlayStation as you normally would um, as a 28 year old. And yeah, she was just getting busy one day at the cafe and she just came upstairs one day and said, listen, can you please help me out? Because yeah, it's really busy. I need a hand and mm. I had no idea what to do. So I went downstairs and I said, look, what do I do? She goes, well, here's a notebook and uh, pen and just go and take orders and talk to people. And that was it. And that's the day they closed everyone. And that's the day we <laughs> ran out of business. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that was it. I, I literally loved talking to people and I loved, um, you know, just interacting with people and making them laugh and smile. I remember at the time we had a really good barista on and it was just, you know, doing patterns that was interesting, like how this barista is drawing these love hearts. Well, now it's just a you know, back then it was, if you drew a three leaf, you know, tulip, it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Now we're drawing, you know, reindeers touching the sun with the moon and the clouds and, you know, while customers are waiting three hours for their coffee. But um, <laughs> Disclaimer, um, I cannot do any of that latte art. So neither can I. You're not waiting three hours for coffee when I make it. I'm old school. I'm just a, a tulip and a swan kind of guy. And, and that's how it all started. I just wanted to learn how he did it. And um, yeah, I just shattered him and just picked his brain and learnt. And I learnt as much as I could from the coffee rep, Angelo, when he, whenever he used to come in. And yeah, I just learned and I just immersed myself in learning and learning and learning and trying to understand, you know, what the, the flavor profiles are, how to get the best of, uh, extraction out of our coffee and, and, um, and how to just really focus on getting really good textured milk, which then gave me the ability to just, you know, practice learning latte art um, and yeah, that was it. That was the start. For the audience as well, you might not know, uh, Neil's entered quite a few latte art competitions as well. Um, he yes. once had a pretty popular Instagram uh, page called. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Quick Pour Baristas. And my claim to fame is that back in the day, 
back in my day. Back in his day, guys. This is a long time ago. So I'm 44, by the way. So for your listeners out there, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm it's pretty obvious. So quick pause, Barista. Yep. That, was that just a, did you identify that as, you know, there was kind of a need for, uh, I guess, educating people on social media? What was the motivation behind that? Yeah, look, I guess back, i say it again, back in the day, uh, this was a good seven years ago. Um, when I first started, sorry, it, it, the answer just hit me and it just applies to what I'm doing now, so it's just crazy. Um, everyone talks about documenting your journey online, especially with the social media age now, right? And what just hit me now is the fact that I was actually doing that with Quick Ball Baristas back in the day, seven years ago, when you know it was just an infant. And I managed to mass about 60,000 followers on my page. And all I was doing was latte art, and that was it. And so I took that and started to teach people how to do latte art. I created a course um, that I put online, and um, a lot of people sort of you know, invested in that course. And what I wanted to do with it all was to actually help cafes, you know, that were struggling with their coffee to go in and consult and hopefully turn it around and make things a better experience. So that was the whole goal behind Quick Pour Baristas. Um, and then, yeah, we just got caught into, caught up into running multiple businesses. And so that I had to go. Mm. So... <clears throat> I obviously worked at a few of your cafes. I yep. was the best employee, according to pretty much <laughs> your wife. Well, okay, uh, she sure. says that I was the best employee and I'll take it if it comes from her. Um, but truthfully, in that time working for you guys, you, you guys really emphasized just creating a positive environment. And I feel like that was definitely passed on to your relationship with customers as well. Mm. So. I don't know, how did that feature into your list of priorities when you were, I guess, uh, scoping out all your ventures? Look, um, I think the most important thing for people to understand is that um, no matter what business you get into, you are in the people business. You're not a photographer, you're not a filmmaker, you're not a barista, you're not a cafe owner, you are in the, pe in the business of people. So for Ange and I, it was always a balance of really looking after our team first and then looking after the customer. Now that might not really sort of go or fly with certain people, but that's what worked for us. And I think we, you know, Ange is more about the customer and I'm more about the team. So I think that balance between the two of us, <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's true. The, the balance between the two of us um, really made it work. I think um, it, it is a very difficult balance to maintain. But I think if you maintain that balance and really focus on the people that matter, um, things will work out. Things will actually be a, a success. And so far, touch wood, everything that we have done has been a success. So it's been great. Yeah, just um, circling back to this first cafe, you finding yourself in this environment, you're making coffees. From what I remember about the story, you guys went on to sell that cafe. So what kind of inspired you to buy another cafe after you had sold the first one? Well, I think um, being introduced to my wife's cafe was a big eye opener for me because that was the moment in time which I think changed my life. I knew that I wanted to be in business and I knew that I didn't want to work for someone else anymore. 
I, I wanted to be in control of my own destiny, make choices. And I think that was very critical for me because after the, when we got married, we opened up another cafe in Armadale. And so Ange and I were running two cafes concurrently. And so the story was, just a quick backstory, is that when Ange fell pregnant with Indy, we decided to sell both of the cafes and move back to the suburbs. Um, and that's when we were approached to open up this new cafe. And so because I was in between businesses and I had nothing going at the moment, I was more consulting at that time with Quick Poor Baristas. But I found that it wasn't really sort of working. Um, so when this opportunity came up, I took it with um, you know, open arms. And I'm e extremely grateful for the opportunity because like that opened my eyes to another field, which is what I'm in now. Yeah, I, Ange and I have always had this motto, always saying yes and figuring it out later. And I think that's what sort of, you know, always had opportunities brought to us. And we always got like, we're extremely grateful to sort of pick from the opportunities because we're not pushing things back. We're not saying no, we're not. And it's up to you to sort of open uh, your arms and embrace those opportunities and see what you can and can't do. But uh, I think saying yes is definitely a very powerful um, mm. word that most people should try and introduce into their lives. Yeah, um, just moving on. Everyone can probably relate with, you know, anyone who's worked behind an espresso machine will know yeah. that there are just some orders that you honestly just have no words for them. Correct. You know? But the business brain in me, like the barista brain in me was like, what the hell is going on? But I have to say the business brain is, hey man, if you're paying $6 for this coffee because there's all these extras, <laughs> sure thing, <laughs> I will do it for you. I have to say this, and I think that's what's missing. I think there's a lot of baristas out there that, oh yeah, ask for extra hot coffee and they take offense to it. It's not about you, it's about the customer. Um, so if your customers are after extra hot coffee or you know three quarters decaf and one quarter blend and all that sort of stuff, as long as there's money going into the till that's contributing to paying your wage, I'd be smiling and doing it, having yeah. a laugh afterwards. <laughs> I think, you know, Honestly, if I have to reflect on my time working behind the machine, that's definitely a lesson that I wish I'd learned earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, when you work in coffee, and it's probably not true for everyone, maybe you can relate with this, maybe some people are like, you're a fool, what are you saying? But I just found for myself, I went from this like real high horse to gaining more experience. And as I gain more experience, you slowly come off of that high horse and you start to understand more of what it takes operating a business versus yeah. being a barista that just cares about their product. Like there's value in caring about a product, but there's value in also <laughs> making money and surviving. So. Well, let, let's, let's put out a really good example. Like there are, we, we live, we're fortunate to live in Melbourne, which is the coffee capital of the world. I still believe that. And there are, as you would know, there are cafes in Melbourne that only deal with regular milk and skinny milk. And that is it. They do not offer or not even any milk. Yeah, like they, just there are some cafes coffee. that is just black coffee. It's a filter bar and that's all you get. And that's okay. I'm not, you know, saying that it's not, not okay. But when you are deciding to go into business and this is what you are planning to do, you are going to attract a certain market for, for what you are doing. So, you know, if the numbers are not matching and you're not really sort of getting, you know, high return, then maybe that's 
probably because of what you've chosen to do. You're not you're, you're segregating certain markets and mm. you're sticking to one. And so you have to be okay with that choices that you're making. And I think that's what most people don't sort of understand. Everything is a choice. You do have a choice and mm. everything, all the choices that you make have consequences. So we're kind of like talking about, you know, experience, your experience as a cafe owner, also working behind the machine. There definitely were days where it was tough, you know, where you're there from the start to close seven days a week. It's difficult. What is something that you wish some customers would know that they don't know about working behind a, an espresso bar, owning a cafe that you just wish sometimes you just think to yourself like, surely this is just common sense. It's look, it's easy for me to answer this question because now that I actually own a cafe or I've owned a cafe or own cafes, <laughs> um, it's easy for me because when I'm on the other side of the bar, I understand more. Mm. And when you, when you haven't been in the industry and you don't understand what it's really like, it's difficult, you don't understand. So you don't, ex you don't know how to, how to be. And every cafe is different. I think, I think it's, it, it works from both ends of the spectrum. I think cafes need to spend a lot more time educating their customer on how they do things because every cafe does things differently. So when a customer walks in and they're asking you, when they say their order in a specific way that is not what you're used to, it's not their fault, they just don't know. So you need to educate them, uh, you know. Um, and. and I think from a customer's point of view, I think you just need to have a little bit more understanding. You just mm. need to, you know, understand how these 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 cafes do things. If you've mm. got your local, you'll get it pretty quick smart. And I think building relationships is very important and that's why it comes down to, you know, having your particular like I always ran our cafes where it's I call it real service. I don't really like the the whole structure of hello, welcome to so-and-so, how can I like grab a seat? Like it's very structured and you can tell when people are being structured. It's a routine. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like real, like I'm talking to you, I wanna to get to know your personality. Yeah. And so when I served customers, it was different to the way you served customers at our cafe. And I think that's what uh, really sort of built really strong relationships, which made our customers come back. Definitely, yeah, we, I, I was very proud to work at Grindstone and, and just the relationships we did form with customers, you definitely saw, you're seeing the same faces every single yeah. day. And I think that's, honestly, that is a telling sign of, you know, how successful a cafe is. Um, I always just say it and it's, it's so true, like in all aspects of life, like measure success based on the impact you have on people's lives. 100%. Um, and this is something that, like, I know this is probably not the question, but I'm really proud of this. So, uh, you know, during COVID, we had a lot of customers that struggled. We had a lot of customers that struggled. They were struggling because they were living by themselves. They had no friend uh, or social outlet. They were living far away from friends and family. And so we actually offered them a job just so then they can get out out of the house. We didn't need a dishy. We didn't need someone to do dishes because as a cafe, we were operating with takeaway only. So we didn't have any dishes to wash. We did, but we didn't have that much <clears throat> because we took away all the table service. But um, we would physically employ people and pay them to do dishes, very limited amount of dishes, just so they can get out of the house. And that's something Ange and I are really proud of. You know, mm. And so when you look after people like that, and you're not looking after your entire customer base, but when you're looking after certain individuals, 
these individuals will have formed that relationship with you mm. and they will keep coming back but not only they will have that rapport with you and they will talk about you to other friendship circles when it did open up we st we did you know we hit the ground running when COVID when uh, the restrictions lifted on this sort of like same topic you know we're talking about operating a, a cafe during COVID um, which arguably is probably one of the most the toughest times to own a small business um, what is the hardest and best thing about being a cafe owner? Look, I think it's just, it's, it's relationship. It's relationships with the people. Uh, now that I haven't, now that I don't own a cafe, that's one of the things I miss the most. I miss going mm. in and, you know, just talking shit to people. I mm. just miss having my kind of relationship with the customers that used to come in. I'm proud to say that 95% of our customer base were repeat customers. And that got us through COVID that, you know, as you know, our business was a hybrid business. So it was a cafe and it was a barbershop. And so for us to close the barbershop during COVID and just operate both businesses with one and still make it through and still be successful and still come through and open up after COVID like nothing had ever happened was great. And that's only because of the customers that kept coming in to support us. And that's only because the relationships that we forged and built hard work over seven years, you know, mm. and I wouldn't really call it hard work. It was just, just being myself and being Angie was just being herself. And the, the team that we had was just being themselves. And I think that's what sort of got us through. And I mm. think relationships are key. Relationships are key. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it, you know, when we, we started this episode, it's just like we're here for other people. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's so true about life in general. Like genuinely as, <clears throat> as much as we try to avoid it, but you can't go living life without people. No. It's not possible. Um, we need friendship. We need companionship. You know, it's just a, a basic need. Um, but I just want us to circle back a little bit, maybe reverse a bit to when you guys were looking for a new spot. You guys were... You know, you got this opportunity with Grindstone. I'm just conscious of some people who might be considering starting a cafe. You know, they have the plans ready and stuff. Yep. What advice would you give to those people, you know, about finding a location, branding, suppliers, that whole sort of can of worms? Okay. So. <laughs> Sit down, kids. We've got a story Where for you. Where do we start? <laughs> All right, so as a business owner, you've always got to look at your bottom line, okay? So you have to make sure that your business is making profit. And from my experience, I've had the privilege of owning three cafes at the, uh, now, and one of those cafes was inside a shopping center. The other two were leased buildings on the street, so they were privately leased, and one was through a lease through a shopping center. By far, a lease in the shopping center is probably one of the worst things I've ever done and I will never go back. Wow. Because the amount of uh, money that you are paying in rent is literally doubled, okay? And so there's your, there's your bottom line right there. I, I could easily be spending $12,000 a month in Australian dollars to rent out a space in a shopping center, uh, but I could be spending $6,000 a month with a privately owned uh, lease mm. 
uh, with a with a with a landlord. Yeah. Um, so there's six grand essentially that's not going in your pocket every every month. So I would definitely, like as part of your business planning, I would definitely look at what your actual uh, outgoings are before mm. you make any decisions because you need to really have a good look at what your outgoings are and what money you can potentially put in your pocket because at the end of the day that is what's going to sustain you your family and put food on your table because that's your income that's your Mm -hmm. profit margin so um yeah and and the second thing is obviously people uh people are a very very big part of your business you cannot be the chef you cannot be the barista and you cannot be serving tables all at the same time you were the chef at one point i was during covid God damn, those chicken curries were amazing. <laughs> they sold out every time I made them. It's true. I'm not going to lie. Exactly. They did. But people are very, very important. I will say from the other side of the fence, there are some bad owners out there and there's some good ones. And so you have to be able to find people that work mutually exclusive to what your values are and what your beliefs are. And I think if you find that, it's a great relationship. And so far, I've had great relationships with a few people in like 13 years. Yeah. We're going to sort of flip it to something a bit more fun. Um, I've got a few would you rather questions prepared over here. So quite curious to see what uh, Neil answers. The first one over here, automation is a hot topic in coffee in general, in hospitality, in the world in general. So my question to you and, and have a think about how this would affect other parts of operating a cafe. But would you rather everything is automated or nothing is automated? Oh, that's hard. <clears throat> Coming from someone who is... Values who, relationship. No, I value automation, bro. I value scheduling. I value structure. I am a huge fan of structure. But in coffee? Like, what do you mean? Like in coffee as in making coffee or preparing coffee or so in, in a cafe environment? Let's, let's, let's think about this in a cafe environment, right? So if we had every single thing in the cafe automated... Yep. Would there be an actual need for someone working the machine or like interacting with customers? Oh, hell no. So no, in that respect, no. No, yes. no, 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 you so don't, you don't. Not only in like a puck press or automatic tamper, but literally every aspect of the cafe is completely automated as So much you're as saying possible. if I had a robot making coffee, which there are robots yes, there out are. there making yeah. coffee, I think, it, I think it's shit. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. You know, I, I go to a cafe to, have conversations with people hell no i want to go and talk to people yeah okay and even if i want to go in there and sit and just be quiet i want someone to make me my coffee because i know like they give it Mm. so basically what neil is saying over here is that he doesn't value the elbow or the wrist of a barista because he's happy to remove a puck press from the whole equation is that true or not true yeah screw your shoulders man i don't care about that (laughs) okay (laughs) Moving on to the next one. So this one is a little bit controversial and okay. a bit difficult. Bad coffee and yep. good food. So if you owned a cafe, oh, you rather oh bad no. coffee and good food yep. or good coffee and bad food. Uh, can I not answer this question? <laughs> I'll tell you why. My biggest belief, my biggest belief in owning a cafe, you have to have good coffee first. It attracts the people coming in. And when you get them to come in and they sit down for your food, your food has got, a, what, your food has got what, where your profit is. Mm. So you bring them in with good coffee and you smack them out of the park with good food. 
And I think you have to have that in the cafe. So that question is really hard. It's really, I, I, I don't know. I think you make your profits with your food, but you bring them in with your coffee. So yeah, I definitely would have good food, but then, sorry, good coffee, but then good, bad food? Oh, I don't know. Look, <clears throat> for myself personally, and, and maybe this is just because I obviously care about <laughs> coffee more, but I'm much happier with a good coffee and a like okay sandwich versus like yeah, but a bad still, coffee and a great sandwich. Yeah, but that's not good food though. You still, you still see that's a trick question, man. You it can't is a really trick question. You can't really. Got him. I, I don't know. I'd go for good coffee. I'd always go for good coffee first. I, I yeah. I think also on that point, and maybe this is something that might not age well, uh, and I'm okay if it doesn't. But I think with inflation, cost of living, all that sort of stuff going up as well. Personally, like assessing my own purchasing <coughs> behavior, I'd much rather buy a coffee and make food at home versus make coffee at home and buy food out. So I think the general <coughs> customer probably feels the same way. Yeah, if you didn't have the experience in the uh, industry, um, that yeah. would definitely be the way to go. If you couldn't make your own coffee, you'd probably want to go buy it like because you're sure that it's going to taste good, right? Totally. Yeah. Our next question. This is our last one. Back to your scheduled, scheduled programming. Yes, scheduled program. We are back in service, everyone. <laughs> Would you rather never drink coffee again? Yep. Or only drink decaf? I will never drink decaf. Ever. Wow. Ever. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Is it actually coffee? Hmm. Look, I've been tricked. <laughs> there are some really good decafs out there, and I've been tricked by some really good baristas telling me that they poured me a single origin espresso, but really it was a decaf. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Betrayed? Very, very disappointed in myself. <laughs> Guys, very... he pours latte art. He's not was... the one for tasting espresso. Yeah, my palate's terrible. Um, all right, moving on to the next one. We've covered quite a few points here. You've mentioned, you know, just relationship and coffee and, you know, just in general, owning a business is a lot about relationship. Is owning a cafe still worth it? Because it's tough out there. Like Ooh. conversations I'm having with people, it's really hard out there. Look, I'm going to be I'm going to be controversial, and this might not go well with some people, but I think it's very difficult to run a hospitality-based business right now at the moment. The market, especially in Melbourne, is saturated. There is there is a cafe everywhere you look, and I think cafes are hard at the moment. Mm. The returns are not much. The overheads are quite high and finding the right people is really, really difficult. I'm just conscious of listeners who are considering starting a cafe or those that own one right now and are just really finding it hard and struggling. And you've kind of touched on this point about, you know, you're hiring the right people for the job, which, you know, you've said as well, is not easy. But this aspect of marketing, personally, from my perspective, it's always been an area in cafes that has been so difficult like you know justifying paying someone to do something you know what it's like in terms of the margins and yep. actually making profit can you give any advice to cafe owners who just don't have the budget for marketing but oh, kind of need to that's it's really hard that's a real tough question yeah it's difficult but you have to put yourself out there you have to get out there and, and do it 
And yeah, I would definitely recommend outsourcing that if you don't know what to do. For your cafe and restaurant, you need to be able to showcase what you're capable of. Mm. Um, I mean, every business has a marketing budget and you have to do that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's a tough question. And yeah. I don't, a lot, you're right. A lot of people will struggle making that choice, but you have to do it. You have to find a way. Yeah. Just try to squeeze some kind of marketing budget. You have in, to. In what you have. Yeah. Um, I think just lastly, to finish the episode off, um, any cafe owner right now that's really looking to sell, you know, you've just been through that whole process yourself. I think it, it finished up, what, a month ago? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you've just, ago. you've been through that whole process yourself. Do you have any input or advice that you could give to someone that is trying to sort of get rid of their cafe right now? Sure. Okay. So I'm just going to, if you don't have a passion for it, I think what the industry re needs right now, especially during, uh, after COVID, the industry needs people that are not tired, that have a new sense of energy and passion and has the energy to do it. Mm. I think if the, the, the people that have ran cafes during COVID and come out of it, it's been very difficult for them because it's just energy drained and people are, people are just not where they're supposed to be mentally, physically. And I think that plays a massive part in how you make decisions in your business. Mm. So if you are looking to get out and that is you, uh, I definitely think that with interest rates the way they are and the way you know, not just here in Australia, but everywhere. I think, you know, governments all around the world, uh, interest rates are high and cost of living is high. So mm. it's definitely a buyer's market at the moment. So uh, you need to be prepared to lower your expectations a little bit, um, you know, and don't give up hope. There is always someone for your business. Uh, but if you feel that, you know, that's what your business is worth and it is fair and it's, justifiable for you to be happy to move on then stick to your guns mm. and sell your business to someone who uh you know sell your goodwill and just be a good person mm. and do the right things and i think that always comes back to you tenfold mm. it's probably a good place to end the podcast yeah. you know just be a good person and oh just be a good human dude have some grace for the people around you just be a good person all right. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you for this Deuces. podcast episode. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I hope we didn't offend too many people. I think I said shit three times. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the episode enough, you can check out Neil's socials at Neil P. Wakefield on Instagram. Or if you'd like to possibly work with him, I do recommend doing this. You can check out his website at neilwakefield.com. Again, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really do hope that you enjoyed it.